Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 13. Doctor, I've seen the captain feverish, sick, drunk, delirious, terrified, overjoyed, boiling mad. But up to now, I have never seen him red-faced with hysteria. I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer out, freak! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Sheep lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-legged, Worm-headed sack of monkeys! Matt, Matt, Matt. Matt, Matt, Matt. And now, together by live simulation via the internets, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, blah, blah! No, blah, blah, blah! Please stay tuned for a special announcement regarding the future of Star Trek Monthly Mondays at the end of this episode. This is Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 13, and I am Chris Honeywell. And I'm Scott Gardner. And uh, boy, what a weird set of coincidences, because last month, our Comics Monthly Monday was Swamp Thing number 7 and Walking Dead number 11, so it was sort of a lucky 7-Eleven. <laughs> I saw one, when you posted that up on the, you know, when you put it up on the site, it, you said something about, this is our lucky, or, you know, this is our... 7-Eleven episode and something about you know getting a slurpee. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? And then I realized what you were going for with the with the seven and the eleven. Yeah, it was kind of a reach, but this one this, <laughs> no, it's cool though. You want to talk about coincidences with this Star Trek Monthly Monday though? Mm-hmm. This with the comic book and the TV show that we're doing, they both feature a Kirk switcheroo. A switcheroonie of who's Captain oh, Kirk. That's right. Yeah, just out of random, co- literally out of random coincidence, I really just noticed it when I was reading the comic. And not only that, but it's a woman. Both times. Both yeah, times you're right. impersonating Damn. Kirk. You're on the ball, man. Energy drink, baby. Energy drink. Uh, how it's is it that brain. you have smoked your brains away yet you're still more on I'm the ball? I'm the one with the memory. Never, never touched, never touched the stuff. Yeah, well, and that's you know, just there's no fucking justice in the world. I'm I telling. think it's just random body chemistry. I so think much for the theory of clean living, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. so how you doing? All right, good. I'm I'm doing good despite having about four brain cells left. <laughs> well, they're they're working they're the, they're a lot the, better than mine, are they? They're the right, right brain cells, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You haven't killed the right ones yet. 
Oh man, I'm doing really well, and I, I'm I'm doing much better than I was doing. Anybody that that keeps up on the forum knows that uh, that I was having some major computer problems there a while back. You know, we had some big storms that came through Georgia a while back. You know, if you watch the national news, you know, you saw all the the flooding and devastation and everything that happened, and that shit literally happened like all around me where I live. I mean, I'm I'm not exaggerating. It was literally like all around me. I mean, everybody I know, you know, in the in the areas that they live, you know, there's there's damage and things have happened. And thankfully, nobody I know had any damage actually happen like to them. But like where my where my in laws live, they they live in a in a gated community, and you know, there's like major sections of road washed out, and some of their neighbors had damage and stuff like that. So it was really bad. And I, I feel badly for those people. But anyway, you know, in the course of all those storms, our power was a nightmare here. It kept going on and off and on and off. And I think it did something to my power supply, which I've suspected was going up for a while. Anyway, I've been having some intermittent computer problems. So anyway, I kind of put out a call for assistance because, you know, I I am a, a, a poor white boy after all. And, you know, having been out of work for a while now and everything, I just could really you know i needed the assist with with you know helping the computer get get fixed and everything so long story short i just wanted to say thanks to everybody who you know made donations and and had well wishes and you know just for everybody's support i really 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 appreciated it because i was going through a a a tough time and and uh so i just i really appreciate everybody you know uh pitching in to, to help me out and everything so anyway, yeah, now I'm back on the air and, and things are going pretty good. So, uh, so here we are. Awesome. My, my, um, not my modem, but, um, oh, what, 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 what router? Do you my is router it, is on the, on the Fritz here too. So, and... but that's okay. My, that's my roommate's router. So she'll be replacing that probably <laughs> in the next day or so. So that shouldn't. That shouldn't kill me too bad. Well, and, speaking of, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. I've been, I've been actually, I've been looking at at new computers lately. Not that I need a new computer, but a, the, a new set of Macintosh iMacs came out with 27, it, it basically like the one I have, but with a 27 inch screen wow. and a terabyte hard drive on them, and everything just you know, five times beefier than the one I've got now. And they're relatively cheap. Yeah. Cause I went to, um, when I was hunting a power supply, I actually, actually I'm still hunting a power supply, but when I was hunting one, you know, I went to Walmart thinking, you know, Walmart's got everything. They'll have it. And they didn't yeah. have a single damn one, but they had a lot of new computers and it's been a while since, you know, I used to keep up with that when I worked for like Best Buy, you know, I had to, I had to be up to speed on, you know, computers and I needed, I had to know a little bit about every department because I was the head of customer service. So, you know, I didn't have to be like super well versed, but I had to have a familiarity with all the different departments and all the different things that we sold. And so I kept up with computers and here in the past several years, I really haven't kept yeah. up. So. And I looked at computers at Walmart, and I was like, "Damn, I couldn't believe some of the specs on these things." And and, and it really and they're a lot cheaper too. They're getting oh cheaper. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they were really inexpensive, relatively speaking. And I was just 
surprised that when I bought mine, you know, several years ago, mine was so far uh, uh, beyond the cutting edge. You know, that's why it's lasted so long. And, you know, I still had that in my mind that mine was still, you know, it was still cutting edge and it was still, and I was looking at the specs on these new ones going, holy yeah. shit, mine seems like a fucking dinosaur compared to, you know, these new ones that are coming out now. So it really hit me that, you know, when I, when I can scrape it together here sometime in the next probably year or two, I've, I'm going to have to look seriously at just getting a whole nother one, but it, it's been a great machine up till now, but, uh. Yeah, that's what I always like to do is I always like to get as far up as I can possibly get and then yeah. and then just know that I'm going to have something for a little longer than normal. Well, I wish that they sold something. I mean, they may and I'm just not aware of it, but I wish they sold something like the computer I have now because the computer I have now was basically a a Best Buy created Frankenstein system that they sold. And what they did was they just took a case and they jam-packed it full of the very best of the best of the best and sold it under their their brand name of VPR Matrix. But all it was was they had just built systems using top-of-the-line components. So, you know, it was there was no brand like a HP or anything right. like that. It was it was their something that they created from slapping parts together. And that's why it's lasted so long because it was all of the, the very best stuff. Plus it was, you know, because it was a Frankenstein system, it was just super upgradable. You know, I mean, I, I you know, as technology changed and, and whatever, you could yeah, just you could slap inter- a new video card yeah. into it. And, and I, I've done RAM. that. Yeah, exactly. I, I did all that. But unfortunately I got to the point to where, Sadly, it's not upgradable anymore. It it finally surpassed that point, but it it lasted. I mean, years before I got to that point, which is pretty cool because most computers don't. You know, most computers that you buy that are a brand, they're upgradable to a point, but not for you know years and years and years. You know, they're usually good for one or two upgrades, and then it's time to just and get then a it's new time computer. to scrap them. Yeah. yeah. So this yeah, one's know. really lasted. You know what's funny is I wonder if Kirk could take on the computers of our days with with <laughs> circular logic and destroy them. I don't think he could. I my, don't know. My, my voice on my when you know you can push a button on your Mac and everything you do, you know, a voice will say what's going on. You know, if you type in, a voice will say it. And you know, if you're, I assume, blind or something, or just too lazy to read or illiterate with an expensive computer, but. <laughs> You know that that simulated voice is better than you know the the that harsh you know nurse ratchet just like working <laughs> exterminate <laughs> computer from from Star Trek. I love it. You know, I, I I just could see Kirk looking at my computer going, but I always tell the truth. He never lied. You, you know, it, it just and my computer starting to smoke. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, but at the same rate, I don't think the computers of Kirk's time could be defeated by a strong magnet or by Georgia Power shutting the fucking power on and off three or four times in a row either, you know? So, you know. That's true. There, there's advantages on both sides. Yeah, of we the get thing. viruses. They get, like, the soul of Jack the Ripper. So I guess yeah, we're in better go. shape. <laughs> yeah, my computer hasn't yet been taken over by Red, <laughs> by Jack, Red so. Jack. Yeah, there you go. 
Although, you know, you'd be at an advantage because you'd know exactly what was happening. As soon as you turned on your computer and it just started going, kill, kill, kill you all. You all die die. horribly. Searing pain. (laughs) Well, while I was on the the scrounge for – for a, a power supply here locally, we we were out. This this was last weekend. As we record this, this happened last weekend. I wanted to share this story because I thought it was really awesome, and and it has a Star Trek element to it. So my my wife and I went out to to get groceries and stuff. And we were out, and uh, the local one of the local grocery stores here is Kroger, and a lot of times they'll have um, on the weekends they'll have what they call their community yard sale. And I don't know exactly how it works, how you participate in it or whatever, but the the one that they were doing this past weekend, the proceeds were to benefit um, something to do with like breast cancers, like breast can- breast cancer awareness or so- something to do with breast cancer. And um, as we were coming out, I saw the thing and uh, and I saw there was this one guy that had like all this computer stuff. So I thought, well, what the hell, I'll stop over there. Um, and just you know, see what they had going on or what. And we we wandered over, and you know, of course, everything he had was was ancient stuff and everything, so it wasn't anything I was interested. In. So I was kind of wandering around. My wife stayed in the car because it was freezing, which I know is hard to believe. You know, this is Georgia and everything. Like when you were here, you know, it was pretty hot, so it's probably hard to imagine. But this particular morning, I mean, it had gotten like bitter, bitter cold. Now, what is bitter, bitter cold to you in Georgia? Well. 50 degrees uh, it was it was down in the 40s this particular morning so yeah okay. i mean i know compared to your bitter cold there's there's a big difference but yeah i mean to to georgians you know getting below 50 is is getting cold you know it's it's time for the for the big jacket and everything but yeah this particular morning it was like low i think it was like low to mid 40s so it was chilly plus there was wind and all that and there was a threat of rain and all that so but uh so she stayed in the car and I was wandering around, and I there was this one section where there was all these books, you know, like hardbacks and novels, a bunch of videotapes and all this stuff. And I, I was looking, and I'm going through, and I start to spot all these Star Trek books. And there was a couple like big hardcover Star Trek books, and a couple like those big like like trade size books. Uh-huh. And I'm going through, and uh, I ended up striking up a conversation with the lady that was running the yard sale about Star Trek. You know, we, we just kind of fell into a Star Trek discussion and I pulled out a couple of books and then she had, uh, all these toys and everything, like a bunch of like next generation action figures and all this stuff. And we, we got to talking about that. And, uh, and she was like, uh, you know, are you looking for any particular figures or what? And I was like, no, not really. I said, you know, I used to really, really, really be into Star Trek. And I said, you know, it's only recently I've kind of gotten back into it, you know, and I I wasn't, I didn't mention anything about the show, but it was, you know, because of the show, you know, you and I talking about it, that's really fired my interest back up. But I told her, I said, you know, I'm kind of getting back into Star Trek after quite a, a time away from it and everything, but, you know, so I'm not really into the action figures or what, but, you know, um, you know, at one time I was really into them and she was like, yeah, I was, I was much the same way. She goes, you know, this is all my collection, you know, meaning all the books and the toys and things that were there were, were her stuff that she was getting rid of. And she goes, you know, this was all my stuff. She goes, I used to really be into Star Trek too. And she goes, I'm still interested in it, but you know, I just decided to get rid of this stuff because, you know, I don't look at it anymore or whatever. She goes, you know, my, my thing that I'm into these days is Buck Rogers. 
I was like, oh, really? I said, oh, you know, that's really interesting. Um, you know, I said, I, I just recently met him. Uh, I was like, you know, back in September, he was at uh, Dra- – and she's like at the same time I said Dragon Con, she said Dragon Con. And, uh, and then she came down and, and got like real close to me and like conspiratorially she goes, that's my husband. And it turned out that this was Janet Gerard, Gil Gerard's wife, was the the lady that was that I was talking to that was running this sale at the yard sale. So it was really cool. And then as we kind of compared notes, we realized that we'd probably met each other at DragonCon before, but I couldn't she couldn't exactly remember and I couldn't exactly remember if she was there either of the times that we talked with Gil, but I think she was. Yes, she was. Yeah. I, well, I remember. I remember from uh, the the panel that she was sitting next to that we saw. Oh, the Star Trek panel? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I don't remember her being there, I, but I think she was at his uh his She was at his booth, too. Yeah, yeah, his booth. Yeah, I, I thought she was. So she looked familiar to me, and then when she said that, I was like, then I realized – you know who she was, but she re- she kind of remembered me once I said, you know, I said, oh, I said, I think I said, I think we met. You know, I, I said, you know, I definitely met your husband. I said, I'm Scott from from Two True Freaks, and then she was, oh yeah, and then she remembered, and you know, I mentioned you know alternate reality because you know he had recorded stuff with alternate reality. So then she was you know really into you know then she knew the whole you know world I was coming from and everything. So we talked a lot about Star Trek, and. uh and I picked out you know, just a couple of books, and uh, and she had uh, this big bag. You know how you go to like yard sales, and, and people have these big bags full of like you know like army men or action figures or something. She had this big Ziploc bag, and it was full of all those little. Um, I think they were put out by Micro Machines, and they were all those little Star Trek ships. And there was like a ton of them in there. And she had that. Yeah, they were really and, cool. Yeah, th- yeah, they were very nicely detailed and everything. And she had that, and she had an actual um, um, shuttlecraft with three figures inside. And I didn't even look at what the figures were. I mean, you know, it was it was a kid's toy, you know, a little shuttlecraft toy. And you know, so I was looking at that and everything. And uh, and as we were talking, you know, she was like. She, you know, she quoted me a price on everything, which was like ridiculously cheap. And by the way, I don't want anybody to to get the impression. I need to stress here that, you know, this was this weekend when this happened. Um, my wife had, and I had just celebrated our fifteenth wedding anniversary, and we had gotten a very nice gift from uh, from her parents, from my in laws, you know, for our our wedding anniversary and everything. Of which my my wife gave me like a, a small pittance piece of you know, so I didn't take any of the money that anybody sent me for you know computer repair or anything. I wasn't you know shopping at the yard sale with that. So I just want to make you know I don't want people to go that son of a bitch. I sent him money and he's pissing it away at the. It wasn't anything like that. I, I promise you. But anyway, um, so I you know I, I was ready to to leave with you know the the couple of books that I'd picked out and and these little action figure things for my kids because I thought they'd really get a kick out of the the little micro machine sh- uh, ships and stuff and I know Logan would like to play with the uh, you know with the little Star Trek action figures and then I spot she's got this box this long box full of comics and I was like oh shit you know and and the price that she had quoted me on these books was was using up like you know the the little bit of money that I had. But I thought, well, what the hell? I've I, I got to see what comics are in here. So I start going through, and she had told me that the comics were five for a dollar. So that's you know, 20 cents. 
So I'm going through these and it's t- just chock full of Star Trek comics. I'm like, oh shit. So I'm going through and I'm, you know, I'm running by memory at this point and I'm trying to remember, you know, covers and stuff. So I pull out, you know, what I think I don't have or whatever. And I've got this stack. And so I go back over to her and I'm like, well, I'm going to have to take out some of those books because I'd really rather have these comics than those books. And she's like, I'll just go ahead and take those comics. And this is like a mitt full of comics, right? I mean, there's, there's probably, I don't know, there's probably 40, 50 comics here. It's like, oh, that's okay. Just go ahead and take them. She's like, you know, that's all right. You know, just give me, you know, pay me what you, what I told you originally. I'm like, really? Wow. So so I brought them home and, and you know, checked my, my database and everything. It just about completes my collection of the first uh, DC Star Trek series that, you know, that we've been covering and puts me probably half the way to completion on the second DC Star Trek series. So I was like, holy shit. Not I mean, that bad. was a ton of comics for absolutely for free. So I thought that was totally awesome. She was very, very cool for doing that. But the books that I, that I got, I just got three. It was uh, a copy of the Starfleet manual a uh, technical manual which i could swear i already had this book but maybe i i'm starting to th- wonder if maybe i got rid of a bunch of star trek books at some point and just forgot ever doing it because it turned out i didn't have this book i actually picked it up thinking that it might be something that you might like but uh it turned out that i didn't have it but i mean if you want it i'll send it to you but i think i, I, I have it and realized that i didn't have it and it's actually an updated edition then another one I got just kind of on a whim. I didn't really know anything about it. It's called Captain's Log Supplemental, and it's the unauthorized guide to the new Trek voyages, and it covers Next Gen, DS9, and Voyager. Um, but I don't think it's all of the seasons of DS9 and Voyager, but at least some of those. I think they were still actually going on at the time that this came out. But it just looked interesting. I thought I'd check that out. But this was the absolute the absolute score in all of this. It's a beautiful, beautiful hardbound, you know, large, you know, it's like an oversized hardbound book. It's called Star Trek where no one has gone before a history in pictures by Jam Delard. This book was originally $45. I got these three books and those toys for the kids Plus all of those comics that she just handed to me for nothing, eight bucks. I was like, holy shit. I mean, what an awesome deal. Awesome, awesome lady. And then on top of that, she's like, you know, well, I've got all these other Star Trek books, you know, and, and, you know, let me, you know, keep in contact with me, you know, follow me on Twitter and all that. And, you know, she's like, I'll hook you up with, you know, all the rest of the ones that you're looking, you know, to get or whatever. I'm just looking to get them out of the house, basically. So, Follow up I, I on that? Know, yeah, no kidding. I, I mean, I, I don't know if she was saying that they were free or, or what, but you know, it's like regardless. I was like, well, hell, I'll have to, you know, definitely keep up with that. You know, either that's way, just, they're probably going to be cheap. So yeah, what are you, gonna, I mean, you know, what can you say with that? Yeah, so I, I was just blown away by it. But she was. And you get to go over to Gil Gerard's house to pick them up. Yes, that was that was that's that that's good. worth it, even if they were kind of expensive. There you go. That's the angle that I that I was most wanting to follow up right there was You're actually gonna be saving biggity 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 big bucks. <laughs> big bucks, no whammy, no whammy. I just thought that that was totally totally cool. So, thank you very much, 
Mrs. Gerard. Yeah, and, uh, and the the I guess the, the other Star Trek connection is Gil Gerard's going to be in the new um, Buck Rogers series, but not as Buck Rogers. He, I think he didn't. Collie say he was playing his dad's father. Yeah, yeah, because James Collie's playing Buck Rogers, and uh, you know this is the same guy who's doing the Star Trek Phase Two mm-hmm. stuff. So he's actually acquired the rights to Buck Rogers, mm-hmm. so they can do it as a produced series and try to sell it to, you know, however they'd want to sell it to either syndication or over the internet as DVDs or whatever. But they're they're actually gonna gonna do it, and that should be pretty interesting. I, I thought it was really interesting what he was talking about um, when they made the announcement about it was that this was like classic Buck Rogers. Right. It, it didn't have anything to do with the with the show that Gerard was actually a part of. No, that this was going on back the comic to, strips. Yeah. So it was. Didn't he say the first episode was was going to be like a World War One like action War I? scene? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think with, that's exciting as with, hell. With man. Buck Rogers as a World War One pilot. So. Yeah, that's 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 a great thing. You don't hear much about World War One mm-hmm. these days, you know. So there's not much set in that. So that could be an interesting little historical context to have the beginning of it in. Well, so, I love period piece science fiction stuff, anyway. You know, like like you know, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or War of the World. You know, the original War of the Worlds, that kind of stuff. I, I'm a sucker for that. You know, the the original yeah. like, Golden Age Superman. Anything like that, I, I think it's really cool. Um, that that uh, Sky Captain movie, you know, anything like that. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see this. I think it'll be really cool, and uh, I'm excited for Kali because you know his work with that Star Trek Phase Two stuff is. I mean, you can really tell it's a labor of love. You know, they're they're really putting so much into it, and it's kind of heartbreaking that they're putting so much into that yet they're not other than fan love they can't see a return on it that's part of the deal is you know yeah. they, they cannot well that's get okay it. that's that keeps it pure love of star trek anyway right but i mean at the same rate i mean you know i mean i i'm not privy to what his financial status is but yeah you know, yeah it, but it, it, must it means be to put that much money into it well that and, not, and it also means from a fan perspective that you only get you know one or two episodes a year or however right. long it takes them to to do it because they're doing it basically in their spare time I, is what it sounds like so right whereas well, this buck rogers thing is that something that they can actually he can actually produce his, and make money you yeah. Know? yeah 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 so, so i think that's great you know and and you know hopefully that'll help not only pay for buck rogers but you know maybe some of that money could actually be filtered into to star trek as well right. and and just make phase two just you know keep it going and make it that much better and and that much more sustainable so you know that that's what i was getting at is that you know i, I get the feeling that the phase two thing happens the way it happens through you know, fan love and contribution and saving up money and, you know, mortgaging the house and that sort of yeah. thing. Like I say, I'm not privy Maxing to any of that. the in- credit cards and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. It has yeah. That, that's, that's why I love it so much. It's a pure, it's when I first saw it and I, you know, I saw a colleague's name, you know, as this is that he was just sort of all over it. It was just like, ah, I see this guy, 
is just totally into track. Mm-hmm. And he's not just not that there's anything wrong with just sitting around with your Trek toys and stuff, but this guy did you know this guy's I mean and he has a he has a job as an Elvis impersonator in Vegas and stuff too, which I imagine right. takes up an amount of time you know to to pay the bills so yeah, I love that I love do it yourself thing I love it when somebody just says, screw it, I'm gonna do it, you know right instead of bemoaning the lack of you know, Kirkin's classic Kirkin Spock Star Trek. He just he he makes some, he right. creates some. So, and you know, and you can see that you know the first few are kind of rough, but as it goes on, they're they're getting better and better and better written, and they're pulling in people from the original, right? You know, writers and actors and stuff, and and it's so you know I promise someday we'll. Soon we'll we'll cover this stuff on on the show. We'll, we'll yeah, do just, some episodes of, of this because it's really worth seeking yeah, I, out. I was just going to say that that we we've got to we've got to figure out a way to to get that squeezed in here in the near future and, yeah. and get up to see because there's really not that many episodes. What is there? There's like five or six total so, episodes, something, something like that. And it's just like it's just head and shoulders above your your average, and not to sell fan creations short but this is you know this guy really knows his stuff and approaches it right you know it's it's not just wish fulfillment he approaches it seriously as in trying to make a star trek episode that's as interesting and in the same spirit as the original star trek and he pulls it off and that's that's no mean feat because star trek fans aren't just you know, superficial watchers of their TV show. So, you know, right. you, know you, you have to capture more than just some of the few superficial trappings of it. You ha- well, there I has mean, to I, be some substance to it. I mean, I'm with you. I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sell fan films short either because it's got to be tough, you know? And I mean, if you and I had ever it's a actually lot of work. managed to make the, the, the fan films that we had wanted to make as kids, I'm sure that they would have looked like shit to be honest because what you know what did we have to work with you know we had we lived in a small town and we didn't have any money and all that but these guys thankfully are not you know they're not producing one of those fan films that that looks like a couple of guys went and got you know terry cloth robes and dyed them brown and they've got their plastic lightsabers and they're playing around in their backyard you know this is you know quality product i mean their bridge set ended up being used in episodes of enterprise because of its authenticity and awesome. Right. So, you know, that, that right there tells you that, you know, that they bring a, a, a level to their production. That's not just, you know, you know, cardboard spaceships or, you know, cardboard sets that they, they're going all out to really do this as, as close to, you know, classic Trek as they could possibly get without a time machine. And that, that's the element that I love of it, that, it, you know, the world they're playing in feels like the old oh, yeah. 60s TV show. I mean, it's yeah, totally, the, way, the way the story evolves, the, the, the three acts of the, of each show, you know, they, they get the whole, the beats and the, the feel, the rhythm of it, but the quality of writing's up to snuff too. The quality of acting well, you know, Collie is a great Kirk. He's mm-hmm. he's he's the best actor of the the bunch. Um, you know, I'm not going to say anybody's bad, but you know, I mean, you you have to you have to. It's like a student film or something. You have to get the people 
that you can get, and it nobody ruins it. You know what I mean? Nobody, right. uh, nobody is just terrible or completely out of place in it. But that's that may be like the weakest point to it, but it still doesn't draw away from it. it it's still and and everything in it, every you know, the acting, everything improves each time they do it you know you can see them learning and improving and fixing things that they couldn't do before and technology allowing them also you know mm-hmm. to be able to do stuff you know just computer technology has improved enough so that the graphics of the ships and stuff can look like they're supposed to rather than you know a, a you know, rendered video games sort of look like maybe like the first episode, especially. You know, the mm-hmm. the the computer stuff was kind of. But you know, what are you what were you gonna do if you didn't have a million dollar you know, uh, Lucasfilm style right machines at your at your access? But now you don't need those anymore, and now and now also they probably have more people. And, and, you know, there's people volunteering their time and resources, too. So sometimes they're probably getting some people who have some professional experience and and um, equipment who will just like, hey, show up with a truckload of cameras or something. <laughs> I don't know. But the, I, I know that's how sometimes that stuff works. You know, you get other people, you know, you have Star Trek fans. I imagine in the TV and film business, you have Star Trek, Star Wars. You have nerds everywhere. Right, everywhere in every position in every, you know, capacity, you know, running these things. So something like this, I mean, come on. <laughs> if you're a Star Trek fan, it's like catnip. Well, I say when Two True Freaks becomes when, ha 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 ha. If Two True Freaks ever becomes a money making thing, where all of a sudden the money's pouring in, I think we should donate a portion of it to Star Trek Phase Two. Just. You know, instead of a charity, instead of just starving orphans, it should be to Star Trek Phase 2, because I think in the long run, having good original series, Roddenberry, ideals-based Star Trek will be better for the universe in the short term. I don't really have a starving problem with... children and... Yeah, well, what the hell with starving children, but... You know, I, I really don't have a problem with that, but um, can I at least roll around in the pile naked first before sure. we send it? Okay. All I'm right. sure they'd have no objection to that either. Cool. <laughs> you might have to, like, shower and then beforehand and take, maybe rub yourself in, you know, what are those handy wipes or something, you know, to what? make sure that you're sterile. Well, I'll just put them in the. I'll put the bills in the washing machine because you know I've, I've, I've always wanted to launder money like you like could, the mobsters you do. You know, a, you could be a money launderer. Yeah. There you go. Cool. All right. So I think on on that note of money laundering, we should uh, take a break and come back with our first Kirk switches personalities with a woman story from DC Comics. What is it? Number six. Number six. Number six.
I'm Captain Kirk. comics part of our show and um, this is the first um, installment of our some crazy woman switches place with Captain Kirk <laughs> theme that's running and this comes from DC Comics Star Trek number 6 in July 1984 cover price 75 cents three quarters stacked on top of each other and the covers by Tom Sutton and Amendola and uh, Mike Barr is the writer of this one, and uh, Sutton and Villagran are the artists. So, uh, the uh, Klingon Federation um, peace talks have sort of broken down, and the Enterprise is picking up uh, Ambassador Robert Fox, who's going to sort of renew the talks on the planet Babel. And they also pick up some replacement crewmen, who are all from different a- alien races, Including a mysterious Andorian, who we find out is a shapeshifter who's replaced the real Andorian that was supposed to come aboard. So the shapeshifter changes to the form of a guard, uh, who's supposed to um, take uh, Ambassador Fox to a banquet that night. So he goes into his room and attacks him, and security, real security, passing by, hears, you know, Ambassador Fox screaming. So they blast down the door and they they find him <clears throat> basically being attacked by Cthulhu. You know, a giant <laughs> green squiddy creature. 
What is it with us and squid monsters? I know. In these comics, they're, man? they're just popping up all over the place now. Which uh, so they they find him at being you know throttled by Cthulhu and uh, who runs off when the security guards get there. Sort of probably just sort of flops off because he's a giant squiddy sort of thing. <laughs> so Fox is okay, but he doesn't really remember the attack, and uh, Kirk finds out. The uh, assassin is somebody who's learned this shape-shifting technique, and all they really know is that they're called the Enigma, and they're working for the Orion Victory League, which is sort of a, um, you know, rebellious terrorist sort of organization. And it sounds and it, like a world soccer team. Or something, yeah, it? Orion Victory League, and it turns out that uh, Ambassador Fox finds a tape on his floor of his you know, of his room that the uh, intruder dropped when he was attacking him and uh, is watching it. And it's a video just sort of announcing that his death and it, he learns it's his own daughter who called out the hit on him. So he's kind of freaked out by that, but he keeps that under his hat. So the Enter- enterprise arrives at Babel and uh, when Fox is getting ready to beam down Kirk, you know, using a secret code word, finds out that Enigma is actually Scotty. So, uh, quote-unquote Scotty, uh, after being exposed as not being Scotty, sort of turns into this bird-like thing and flies into the transporter beam and is sent to Babel. So, Kirk hears the fox... Hears the fox. Kirk hears fox call the bird Trisha and does a little bit of computer research and finds out that Trisha's fox's daughter. So, meanwhile, the real Scotty's missing, and it looks like <clears throat> when the shapeshifter attacked him, that he attacked him as some sort of venomous creature, and um, so McCoy says, we only have a you know, short amount of time before Scotty's dead. we got to find out where he got, you know, where Enigma stashed him so we can, you know, keep him from dying. So I have a real problem with that element of the story that I will come back to, by the way. It's kind of a, yeah... So on, on Babel, we, um, Fox and the Klingon ambassador are meeting, but there's so much security around that Enigma, who's still that bird creature, is watching him and decides eh, it's better to fly off and, uh, and bide my time till I get a chance when I can attack. So uh, Kirk beams down to talk to Fox and tells him, you know, I know your daughter's Enigma and I know that, you know, she works for this terrorist organization. And uh, so he has a plan. So during the peace talks with the Klingons, they sort of beam the security people that are watching him away that leaves a hole for Enigma to strike through. So she does, of course, attacking as a Gorn. So Kirk immediately beams down there, and knowing how to deal with a Gorn, he jumps on her back and sort of chokes her out. And um, and um, so... You know, okay, they figure they've got Enigma, but then, boom, she changes herself into Captain Kirk. So now you got two <laughs> Captain Kirks sitting there, you know, saying, I'm Captain Kirk. No, I'm Captain Kirk. I'm Captain Kirk. <laughs> so McCoy, in typical Star Trek manner, says, we can figure out who the real Kirk is because I can give him a shot of this this stuff, and, and the real Kirk will have an allergic reaction to it. So Enigma knows that the gig's up, and tries to run off but Savick gives her a nerve pinch and knocks her out and you know they they shoot her up with with serum and get her to tell where she hid Scotty so um 
They go to get Scotty, and the Klingons, meanwhile, are sort of patting Kirk on the back and s- for his bravery and telling him they w- they're going to nominate him for a Klingon medal. And um, and then Fox, on Kirk's encouragement, starts trying to rebuild his relationship with his daughter, who it turns out was probably brainwashed by this this terrorist organization, sort of Patty Hearst style. <laughs> and that's sort of and that's sort of where it ends. Not with you'd think she'd be taken off in in handcuffs and shackles, you know. <laughs> but you know, he, he's uh, he's going to try to re- rebuild his relationship. So that's that's the Enigma story. You know, for for a story that I felt kind of eh about it most, I, I have a lot of notes on this one. Strangely. Uh-huh. Um, do you want me to go ahead? You want to do yeah, the go, thing on this one? Go, oh, go ahead. All right. Well, first of all, there's a lot of callbacks in this issue yeah. that, that I have mixed feelings about. I mean, we, we're seeing Ambassador Fox again, and you know, there's a mention of Amini R7. Now, Ambassador Fox was the guy that Scotty called a Popinjay in that episode, uh, A Taste of Armageddon, where those planets are warring by computer. Right. Which, you know, that's a good episode and all that. You know, there's uh, there's Babel. You know, is is in it again. There's a mention of uh, Garth of Izar and the way that that Kirk ferrets out um, the Enigma, Enigma when it's disguised as Scotty is by using the Queen to Queens level three thing, right. which is also from that episode with Garth of Izar. And I think there's a couple other ones like that too. Which you know, at this point, this is only the sixth sixth issue in, so. It hadn't become overbearing by this point, but eventually, at least to my mind, it does eventually get a little bit too much with with the constant callbacks to the original series. But in this instance, it's, it's actually kind of cool. You know, it, it makes it feel you know like like a like a world. You know, they're you know they're they're calling back to you know elements that would exist. You know, in in yeah, their and known it, and it wasn't at that point super coincidental either. You know, right. it, it's a little more organic in how it works. And you know, you, I mean, if Fox is, is such a, an accomplished ambassador, then yeah, they'll probably run into each other several times, right? In their adventures, and and Babel, you know, is a world to go. You know, a neutral world that you can have peace talks on and stuff like that. So you know. It should get used again, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it, the only thing is, you know, of course, all the callbacks are also sort of done in, you know, in a little bit of, you know, dialogue and exposition. Sometimes, right. so, 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 sometimes they're sort of driven home too, too much. Like with Amini R seven, you know, mentioning. Now, you see, I don't even, I, I didn't remember. Fox and Amini R7, but as soon as I read that word balloon, mm-hmm. I knew that it was taken from a, a you know, something else, you know. Right. Because they wouldn't have mentioned it in that way mm-hmm. if, it, if it wasn't a direct callback to something. And I was just like, ah, okay, so we've seen Fox before. Right. So he's, his character's back, even though I don't remember him at all from A Taste of Armageddon. I just remember he was kind of a dick. Yeah. Because I, I can re- distinctly remember the part where Scotty says something about, oh, that Poppin' J. Fox. I don't know why that particular line sticks in my mind, but it does. I guess just because you don't hear people called Poppin' J's very often. Or something. <laughs> Poppin' Fresh. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the first page, you got him, you know, he's 
stepping off the transporter and shaking Kirk's hand, but in the foreground, you do have Scotty sort of giving him a sideways glance, just sort of like, oh, it's that guy again. Oh, this fucking guy again. <laughs> All right. Well, most of the rest of my notes are are nitpicks of one degree or another, but right. I felt that they were worth mentioning. Okay. Um, I've noticed this in other issues, and I think I failed to mention it, so I'll just mention it here. But at some point prior to, I don't know. I think it was actually prior to Next Gen, but I'm not sure. At some point, the warp thing was still a little bit screwy and and somewhat undefined because i know that there's an issue and we may have already passed it already i can't remember where kirk calls for a high number warp i I just can't remember what issue it is but in this one for example when they leave for babel um kirk orders warp factor 10 now warp factor 10 is supposed to be basically the speed of infinity to where that that's supposed to be a speed at least going by the later like next gen scale then that is unattainable break. right yeah like if they if they were to actually achieve warp 10 then they would basically be locked into like like eternity you know that that they would forever be traveling toward whatever they set out to do and they would never break out cuz i remember the end of uh peter david peter david's novel vendetta that's how it ends they defeat the enemy in that novel by basically getting the enemy to accelerate to warp 10 and it doesn't even realize at the end of the novel that it's never going to catch them because it's now trapped in like an endless eternity cycle of traveling uh-huh. at warp 10 or something like it, I, you know I don't I won't profess to totally understand, understand it all I understand the is physics they, behind yeah, it or yeah, they, yeah supposed physics behind it yeah <laughs> So I don't, you know, at some point, I don't know if this was something that, that is waiting to be defined at this point or what it is, but I just thought it worth worth noting. Also, Kirk had a, a line of dialogue that, you know, this is an extremely n- small nitpick, but I thought it was still, you know, again, worth bringing up where Savick says something to him about, you know, what are we going to do about this situation or something like that? And Kirk says... Um, we're soldiers, Mr. Savick, so we'll follow orders. And it just struck me as funny. I was thinking, soldiers? You know, since when have Starfleet, Starfleet when have they ever been soldiers? Exactly. You know? So I thought that was kind of a clunky, clunky bit of dialogue. All right, here was my nitpick about the thing with Scotty, right? Now, the, the great thing about the actual nitpickers' guides that I've got is the guy breaks down his nitpicks by different categories of nitpick and one of them was called something like i think it was called changed premise this nitpick for me i'd have to break it down to a to a a category that i'm going to start calling lost abilities because over the course of star trek i've noticed that sometimes in one episode or one series they'll be able to do something and then in a later episode or a later series they can't do it seriously lost that ability and in this one, okay, Scotty's been poisoned, and Enigma has ditched him somewhere on the ship. And so they're having this massive manhunt to try to find him, and they're running out of time. He's going to die if they can't find him. And I got to thinking, in Star Trek The Motion Picture, which was not terribly long before this issue, you know, in the, in the Trek timeline, 
they actually had those space pajamas with the belt buckle right in the middle. Right. And that belt buckle was a bio belt thing, belt buckle thing that actually tied to sick bay so that everybody who wore one of these things on their uniform were actually constantly being monitored by the ship's medical computer so that, you know, if they, I don't know, fell unconscious or caught a cold or had the diarrhea or whatever, the fucking medical computer knew about it. And I'm just thinking, you know, that was also a way that, that theoretically I would think anyway, you know, like if you were in engineering, say, and you wandered into the bowels of the ship and you fell and conked your head, they could find you, you know, and you wouldn't right. just rot down there and, you know, die and they'd never know it. So, you know, I just look at this as, you know, why did they ever change that? You know, because in this well, instance, you would think they would have sensors anyway that could that could sense a life form that was not moving and just sort of laying in some place where somebody wasn't supposed to be, i.e. a hidden spot, you know. Yeah, they could just run a sweep through the ship and say, oh, look, there's somebody laying on their back, you know, in this conduit here. Or they could, like, uh, latch on to, like, his blood alcohol level or something. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, he is getting a couple pints smuggled in at the beginning of this. One of the recruits <laughs> is bringing him a little bit of medicine from from wherever they were picking him up, from the Starbase or whatever planet that they were getting everybody, mm-hmm. Starbase outpost. But uh, I thought, I thought art-wise, I thought the Enterprise looks great in this. All the shots yeah. of the Enterprise are just awesome. Yeah, I always liked the ships. You know, even when it when I finally dropped the series, mostly because of the art concerns, I still always liked the way the ships were drawn. It, it was really just the 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 people that that kind of are hit and miss with me. And also, you know, now that I'm reexamining this series, a lot of my complaint with it, I think, is actually today would actually fall on the colorist. Uh huh. That sometimes it's almost got like a, I don't know, almost like a Charlton feel yes. to the colors or something. It's just a little or too the gold bright. key. Yeah, yeah, it's a little too bright and vibrant. You know, the, a lot of the the backgrounds are always some solid colors and yeah, yeah, and a lot of yellows and reds and and stuff like that. It's kind of strange in in some ways. Yeah, I, I I'll definitely agree with that. I don't know if you would call this a nitpick or not, but my biggest, uh, we'll just call it what it is, complaint. And I don't know if this was actually the first issue that featured this. Again, I may have missed this happening in a prior issue and just not commented on it. But, uh, for example, on page 18, we've got Konam. Is this the first time we've seen Konam in a Starfleet uniform? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I was trying to remember if, if this was the first one or if maybe I'd missed it in the last issue. But, all right, I have a real problem with this. All right, it's not like, you know, at least with Wesley Crusher, as much as that shit bothered me with Wesley, where he was allowed to, like, come up to the bridge and actually fly the friggin' ship and stuff, and you would think that the other guys who had busted their asses to go through the actual Starfleet Academy would be very resentful of that. I think it's Kirk's, uh, or Kirk, I think it's Picard's overcompensation for not being good with kids as he's overcompensating with Wesley. 
Right. You know, I mean, there, there's justifications that I can kind of sort of buy when it comes to, say, like Wesley Crusher. But in this instance, this Conan guy, he's not like a son of a crew member or anything. I mean, Jesus Christ, just a handful of issues a, ago, he was an enemy He was agent. in the Klingon Empire. Yeah. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's in a Starfleet uniform that, you know, let's face it, he did not earn... He hasn't gone through Starfleet Academy or anything like that, and he's running the goddamn transporter. And I'm just thinking, he's transport. You know, if, he's running the transporter and transporting security guards, which is probably highly illegal, you know, and keeping them in flux. They right. don't just transport them somewhere; they just keep them as energy for a while and then put them back, which is kind of so, weird. So, you know, not only would I think, you know, if I was a secure, if I was not a security guard, a, a uh, transporter chief, for example. And like I say, had busted my ass to go through Starfleet Academy and get good grades and study and everything, and I got this assignment, and then I got this fucking guy is crowding in on my job, that would kind of piss you off. I don't care what nice, peaceful, futuristic universe you live in. I would think that that would piss you off a little bit. They took and- my job! My <laughs> job! The damn Klingons come in and taking people's jobs. But also... All right, say he fucks up, right? He's beaming these security yeah. guys down to the planet. He yeah, fucks how do you up. Explain Whose that ass to, is that? Yeah, who do you, how do you explain that to Starfleet? They're like, who is this guy? It's like, it, it's like, um, you know, going to, um, to, you know, Chase Pitkin or something, get some Mexican laborers, <laughs> and you know, having them work on the on the, you know, your, you know, flight from New York to San Francisco, and they're the co-pilot, you know. Right, and they exactly. crash the plane, and it's just like, okay, who hired, you know, yeah, I know Jorge was a really nice guy and everything, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> who put him in the co-pilot seat, you know? Yeah, and, yeah so somebody's I mean, ass is on I the mean, line Conan might have worked the transporter over on the Klingon ship, you know, too, so he could be totally qualified, but it's just like, yeah, exactly, shouldn't you send him through Starfleet to sort of at least have him know what Starfleet stands for and all that stuff but and and another thing that sort of annoys me about konam is did not was the next generation out at this time this was before oh next, no this no, was no that was next years generation. off yeah so okay so it doesn't bother me quite as much but it it, it just sort of um predates wharf and you know wharf being a member of the crew on on star trek was sort of you know a signpost of how far Star Trek had come since right. the original series. So right. this is sort of like jump it, maybe jumping the gun on Klingons and and uh humans getting along. But you know, they we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be touching on that again cuz I I I have something to follow up on that. Um All right, here's my biggest This this one's really hard for me to see past. And, you know, giving credit where credit is due, this is not something that I actually caught. I actually, if you can believe this shit, I actually remember way back, there's there's an issue, a few issues from now, when they do the, in the letter pages, when they actually talk about this issue. Yeah. I distinctly remember somebody pointing out something that I missed that has, strangely, it's always stuck with me all these years, which is basically... Where exactly is the mystery when she becomes Kirk? 
you know, uh, she becomes another Captain Kirk. All right, let me give you an example. In Star Trek VI, when the when the shape changer becomes Kirk, right? Yes. They immediately start fighting, and they actually roll on the ground and shit. Right, right. To a point to where they stand up, and McCoy has no idea which one's the real Kirk. Right. And, and, you know, the guy that comes to, to shoot them doesn't know which one's the real one. We, yeah. as the audience, have lost track of which one's the real one and which one's the fake one. But in this scene... You see McCoy and... Sa- you see everybody is looking everybody. at the shapeshifter turn into Kirk. Right. So where's the mystery? They should not... I mean, And unless- one of them at least is a Vulcan. So, you know, even if you were doing one of those shell... It's like a shell game. You know, a Vulcan right. a Vulcan's not going to miss that shell game stuff. So, yeah, so... All, I, mean, I mean, my only no-prize attempt for this would be, you know, if between... The panels, you know, in the lying in the gutters, there had actually been a moment, you know, where, where like you, you say, they did the little shell game thing and they got into a tussle. But yeah, I, I don't that you that, don't see that, it. It, it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I really don't. And, you know, you, you already touched on at the end of the story. These kind of things really bother me. And this will come up again in Turnabout Intruder. You know, she tried to fucking kill somebody. You know, she's been the pain in the ass issue of this entire issue that didn't make any sense she's been in the 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 you know the bad guy per se yeah the antagonist whole, the antagonist thank you that's the word i was going for the antagonist in this whole issue yet at the end of it it doesn't look like she's in the brig or that she even has like guards so is she just kind of walking away at the end of this or i mean is there not going to be so i don't care if she's been brainwashed she tried to kill somebody so it just strikes hey. me as odd. <clears throat> What's her name? Uh, Patty Hearst was brainwashed, and she still went to she still went to jail. Right. You know that didn't get her off the hook for the <laughs> SLA or whatever it was that she drew. I think it was the Symbionese Liberation Army or whatever. Right. Now, next issue, we'll get into part one of the origin of Savick. And I'm looking forward to that because I remember that being a really good story. Now, I have a question. I'm going to kind of throw it out to you and to our listeners, I guess. Now, if I remember properly, either the very next issue after the conclusion of the origin of Savick, or it's either the next issue or the issue after the next issue, suddenly it's post-Star Trek Three. There, there was a, a special that came out. It was a Star Trek three movie special that came out that, you know, basically covered the film. But the next regular issue of Star Trek is suddenly taking place after Star Trek three. So do we just want to continue on or do we actually want to touch on Star Trek three or on that movie special or, or how do you want to, how do you want to do that? Oh, well, that's a good question. I think we should see what our viewers think, but I'd be I'd be up for listeners, either one. We have listeners. If we have viewers, I'm really frightened. They have to look at the web page or the iTunes before they listen. Oh, that's true, I guess. I'm just I yeah. I went to film <laughs> school. I just think of viewers rather than listeners. I got to get with the program. I know. If we have viewers, I'm gonna go put pants on. How right about now. this, fans? <laughs> our fans. No, we don't. Our have rabid fans. fans. We have listeners. 
listeners. It sounds so it, it sounds so passive compared to fans. Stalkers. We should ask our stalkers what they think. Our minions. Our legion. Anyway. But I, I think it's time to go to a break and we'll come back with more Kirk female impersonation. <laughs> For some reason, that's just how the fates have played it this month. So that's what you get. So we'll be back. eating a Twinkie. Hi, friends. It's me, Orca Stay Free, and this is the Orca Book Club. Hello, and welcome back to Orca's Book Club. This time around, I'm talking about Star Trek The Lost Years by J.M. Dillard, and uh, I just reread this book. I read it way back a long, long time ago. I can't even remember when, when I read it, probably when it first came out. And I really – I just reread it because I wanted to re-familiarize myself with the story. Um, not long ago, I acquired the rest of the books in the series. I didn't realize there's like four books in this series, and I never realized – I knew that there was um, at least one more book because I've actually read that one before too. And I'm going to have to read it again because I don't remember that one very well either. But anyway, this book literally picks up at the end of the five-year mission as Kirk and crew are coming back into earth and coming to space dock and earth orbit and all that sort of thing. And it sets up, you know, basically where everybody's going to go and, you know, it introduces us to the idea of captain Decker, you know, being promoted, you know, being promoted from commander at Kirk's recommendation, you know, taking over the refit of the enterprise. And then, it kind of follows two directions. It follows Kirk as he very reluctantly gets uh, kind of suckered, really, into being promoted to admiral and the new duties that that he has to take on, you know, in that admiral role. And then it also follows um, McCoy and Spock. And I would say, you know, I, I feel pretty much the same way I remember feeling about this originally. Whereas about the first half of the novel, and this is a, a pretty lengthy book. You know, this is uh, 400 and something pages, you know, which is kind of long for a Star Trek novel. They're usually not near this long. About the first half of this book is fantastic. You know, it's, it's I mean, really, really nailing the characterizations. And even though you know everybody's going to eventually wind up back together, you know, you know that down the road, you know, the motion picture, they're all going to meet back up and where everybody's headed – it still does a really, really good job of making you feel like, you know, you, you feel sad, you know, that, that their, their lives are taking them in different directions and that, you know, the, the old gang's splitting up and they may not see each other again. The part of the book where, where Spock comes to say goodbye to McCoy, I mean, could literally choke you up. It, it really is a great moment where, where McCoy realizes maybe for the very first time really how much Spock means to him, you know, how, how close they really are and what a friend he really has been. 
And McCoy feels a little bit bad that he's really given Spock a lot of shit over the years. And he even says something to that effect that, you know, you know, I hope he never took me personal or anything like that. It was really a good moment. But then the book kind of takes this turn to, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of a weird turn. And it gets into this story about these, uh, this ancient Vulcans, Katra. That it turns out, according to this book, the the Katra of certain, I'll call them celebrity Vulcans, for for lack of a better term, they're you know if basically if you're an important enough Vulcan, when it comes to time for you to die, they they the Vulcans try to do their best to actually preserve your Katra. So I kind of envision in this book that there's this temple with all these like globes kind of like in uh you know that episode with sargon you know where there's all these globes that are that are holding the katra of all these dead vulcans and there's this one from several thousand years ago who was like this mystic mind lord kind of guy who was you know a badass vulcan or well, he ends up taking over the body of like a modern vulcan and he becomes you know the the bad guy of the story I didn't. I really didn't care for that, and I really don't like the directions that go and and everything. It doesn't really seem to add to the overall feel and and purpose of the Lost Years, which was to tell what happened to everybody between the end of the five year mission and Star Trek: The Motion Picture. This very much feel. This is where the book kind of breaks down into. I hate to say it, it breaks down into fan fiction, really. And so, you know, fantastic read for the first half and kind of I had to kind of slog through the second half. I just really didn't dig the second half of the story. And a lot of stuff that happens just doesn't seem to it doesn't seem genuine to me. It doesn't seem like it really fits in the context of where it is, especially when later on Kirk and Spock and McCoy, they don't really seem to know anything about well, not Spock, but Kirk, uh, Kirk and McCoy don't seem to know anything about Katra or anything by the time of Star Trek Three. It's all like a new concept to them about Spock, you know, being, you know, his soul is still existing in Kirk and McCoy's body and all that. So it seems like a bit of a contradiction there. But anyway, I, I would still highly recommend it. It was still a really enjoyable book, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, reading the rest of the books in the Lost Years series leading up to uh, the motion picture. So check it out. That's uh, Star Trek The Lost Years by Jam Delard. Pretty decent first half read. This has been the Orca Book Club. your telepathic mind tell you now I believe you mm. agony will soon pass as it has for me Spock, give it up I shall not withdraw a single charge that I have made and I shall do everything in my power against you just mutiny Dr. McCoy sorry but I'm going to have to take you off the case on the ship my medical authority is final I won't allow it it's done Security guard! Attention all personnel. First officer Spark has been placed under arrest on the charge of mutiny. Then, doctor, that's the time we move against him. We'll have to take over the ship. We're talking about mutiny, Scotty. That's enough. We know what was said. Enough to convict you of conspiracy with mutineers. And you're so charged. The sentence, death. 
Execution will be immediate. We are back for the final segment of the show. We are going to examine episode 79, the very last episode of the original Star Trek series. This one was called Turnabout Intruder. And in this one, um, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, they they go down to this planet and uh, this old flame of Kirk's is lying supposedly near death. And she ends up suckering Kirk into getting too near this machine that turns out to be a mind-swapping machine. And she and Kirk basically swap, uh, I guess it would be souls, really. Not not so much their, their brain. I mean, it's not like their physical brains, but like their, their essences. So she winds up in Kirk's body, and Kirk winds up basically trapped in her body. And it turns out that she, you know hates her her status as a woman and her place you know as a woman and everything she's always lusted after the power of being a starship captain and figured that her best way to to achieve that was to you know take over Kirk's body and then as she you know assumes the role of being Kirk and nobody but this doctor this male doctor it's I don't, is, was this guy like her boyfriend or something i never quite i have a feeling she probably uh hooked up with him in order to like manipulate him? have a mission yeah. yeah and uh so she used this guy to you know steal kirk's body he's the only one that knows about this and so she is able to keep uh the, the female body, Janice Lester's body with, with Kirk's soul in it basically drugged up and shit in sickbay. And eventually it all comes to a head where, you know, McCoy and Spock start to figure out that something's gone loopy with Captain Kirk. He's just not acting right. He's doing all kinds of bizarre stuff. He, you know, Kirk eventually brings Spock up on mutiny charges and stuff. And there's a point where he's actually going to have members of the crew executed for mutiny. And in the, you know, long story short, in the end of the episode, you know, Kirk is able to somehow reexert himself and, and take over his body again. And at the end of it, it's you know, it reminds me a lot of like an old Batman episode where where Batman was like, "Poor deluded girl, yes. <laughs> they take her away to you know to be." to be helped and cared for. And that's pretty much how the episode ends. So what'd you think of this one? This one was, was a very interesting. It was very interestingly edited. It had a lot of, you know, um, flashing from one scene to another, two parallel scenes going on. And it had that great cheesy soul switching effect where, (laughs) you know, where, uh, uh, you know, the screen would freeze for a second. The two images would, switch into each other and you know of course Shatner would be in some contorted with his hands all all curled up and his elbows pointed into the center of his body and oh and then change and it it's a it's you know Shatner chooses the scenery but the the woman who played Janice Lester did a good job of uh oh yeah of being William Shatner as Captain Kirk without overdoing it. There's a with a scene where during the court martial when she sits in the chair as a witness and she just sits in the chair like Shatner does 
when he sits in the captain's chair was great. And, uh, you know, Kirk, ju- you know, Shatner just gets to go nuts when when he's talking <laughs> like a woman and he gets all that, that sort of a feet crazy mm-hmm. voice. It's just, yeah, it's pure vintage. I love the Shatner. part where he's storming out of a room at one point and he says something like, uh, I'm trying to remember what the line is. It's something like, you can't prove that. You'll never be able to make those charges stick or something like yeah. that. And I, I watched this with my wife, and she was just like, oh, my God. But, you know, he, I, I was like, well, come on. I mean, that, it, was, it really was something like a scorned woman would do. You and know, it's, just, and just the whole body language. And, women, and, yes. <laughs> and she had something, you know, I mean, you know, she tells him, you, now you're going to know the indignity of being a woman. So she was sort of a self-hating woman that was waiting to get into a man's body, too. Which you know opens up a whole new can and you know is and, and and Kirk is a real dick to her in the beginning. He's all condescending and like when she when they find her and you know they think she's sick from radiation poisoning and he and he uh, you know just sort of leans over and is just like Janice, you have to relax and blah blah <laughs> blah. Yeah, it's and it, with this like little smile smirk on his face. And this one, just like the last one, ends with, you know, the doctor who's, you know, been taking care of her and was in on her with this plot is, like, taking her away to take, you know, they're like, oh, will you take care of her? Yeah, I'll I'll take care of her. You know, I secretly love her, blah, blah, blah. But that guy's implicit. They're they're murderers. Right, They have a whole conversation of it. They wiped out the whole little... colony that they were living at, at by exposing them to radiation and you know and making it look like an accident and that maybe, was my biggest maybe they point. didn't figure that out maybe you know the enterprise didn't figure that out but you'd think they'd start investigating what happened once all this shit hit the fan you know and at the end you know he's just sort of allowed to like take her off and yes we'll make sure she gets the help that she needs you know and it's like, no, no, both of you should be in prison, especially him, because he's not babbling insane like her, you know? <laughs> she, When they're walking her out, she's just like, the plastic men are coming. They're coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's just well, you know, I, as a... I, I hadn't seen this one in a long, long time, and I'd only ever seen it just a few times because it's just not one of my favorite episodes. So I couldn't remember the conclusion and so watching th- this again in preparation for this show and seeing that ending where he basically like, you know, I'll take care of her. And they really just kind of walk off into the corridor at the end of it. It's like, what the hell? You know, they're, they're, they got away with it. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like you say, they, they murdered a whole bunch of people to get, I mean, did they do that to kind of draw the enterprise I there? That so. was kind of my, it was sort of her whole plot to, you know, to pose as being weakened so she could get Kirk into the machine because she'd been studying Kirk and the Enterprise too so she could take his place. You know, she had it all plotted out. It was all plotted out by, you know, a, a crazy scorned lady to get revenge, which, you know, I mean, that's a great ego burst boost to Kirk right there. Right. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, yeah, maybe they didn't figure out that, that they'd actually killed all the other colonists and it was all just a great coincidence that she was there with the with the brain soul switching machine. And you know, and 
and, and it was really funny, like, the little touches they had to show that she wasn't Captain Kirk, like, when she'd pick up the, the communicator and go, Captain Kirk to the Enterprise. Right. <laughs> Captain Kirk to the Enterprise. Or you th- you'd think they would have figured it out when he was, was he talking to McCoy or Spock? I think it was Spock. And he's filing his nails. Right. He's just like, oh, blah, 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 you know. Monsters are such interesting people. <laughs> filing his nails, and and Spock doesn't think anything of it unless, you know, unless Kirk actually would be. Well, I guess he had a nail file in his room. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that was. Well, a- here, here's here's the 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 big question to me. Here's the what what is the expression? The five hundred pound gorilla in the room. Yeah. And I, I've wondered this about any story where people switch bodies, particularly like if they, yeah, like well, particularly gender switching, body switching stories. Do I you think, think I see you're going t- with this? Yes, he did. <laughs> Do you think he touched himself? Yes, he did. Okay, I'm just curious. He you know, got na- he got naked and said, although he knew what you know, he'd obviously, but I'm sure he checked out. The, I'm sure he checked out the the equipment. Wait, Kirk is a ladies' man, right? And I'm just thinking, how much of a leg up would you have as a ladies' man if you could actually spend time in a woman's body and figure out how certain things happen? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what you're saying. So, yeah. You guys I, know I, what he's saying? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm take, just, I was curious get, about get that. Get a chance to get under the hood. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Take it for a little test drive. Exactly. Right, exactly. You, you know he did. He, he might have even gone out. He might have even gone out and got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's disturbing on all kinds of levels. You know, in um, the future, they're a little more, you know, they're a little more open-minded. In the future. Oh, I was waiting for you to say that. Um, you know, you, you had said something about the mind-switching thing, and I have to say this was the first time that I was deeply disappointed in an enhanced edition because although it opens now did you watch this enhanced or did no, you I just watch watched this? The, the original one there is a beautiful opening shot in the enhanced one where the enterprise is it, it really looks like it's actually pulling away rather than pulling into orbit but it looks like it's pulling away from like like a saturn type planet cuz it's like going through rings and stuff it's beautiful it really is a gorgeous shot but then when they do the 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 soul transference thing, I don't think they did anything to it. It I looks like the same much you original. Done. Yeah, it's really cheesy. I don't think and there's I, much you could have really done because that original effect is so intrusive. It so takes over the screen uh, that yeah, I wouldn't see how you would sort of cut it out. You know, I don't see how yeah. you could sort of through editing or anything or even. Yeah, that's a good With point. A I, I, so, you know, I mean, you could take it and maybe soften it out or make it a little more sparkly or something, maybe. But, I mean, it was so cheesy, like, psychedelia style. Yeah. And, you know, they would have had to have re, totally redoctored that scene. So, yeah, I just don't see how they could have done it. Yeah, I seriously doubt the original, you know, un, unspecial effects affected up clips are ha- just clips, hanging yeah. out somewhere yeah no they're probably I doubt it. Mo- turned to mold and dust by now 
No, they probably wound up in the trash or something. Yeah, exactly. as, as horrible as that is to think uh, about, it's probably what happened to yeah. it. So, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. It's a good point. Well, um, I don't really have much else on this one, although I did uh, remember to look this one up in the nitpickers guide, and it had a couple of doozies that I thought were pretty good. Let me. Uh, well, the the one that actually I did think about this time around watching it was. All right, one of the big sticking points in this episode seems to be where Spock can't cite any any sort of evidence or any sort of conclusive thing for like body like soul body transference type of thing and I'm thinking what? Complete life energy transfer with the aid of a mechanical device. Yes, that's what it must have been. To my knowledge, such total transfer has never been accomplished with complete success anywhere in the galaxy. It was accomplished and forgotten long ago on Camus II. I am a living example. That is your claim. As yet, it is unsubstantiated by any external evidence or objective test. Nevertheless, Spock, it is the truth I'm speaking but evidently, he doesn't have a very good memory for all of their adventures because there was that episode with Sargon. Right. Where Sargon and, and the other two people, very clearly, that was a good case for soul transference right there. They went from their little, you know, their little yeah. basketballs into Kirk, Spock, and, uh, and that girl. Yep, Spock was and directly then, involved in that, too. And then Spock himself, being a Vulcan... There's I can't remember what the hell episode it is. Oh, it's that same episode where Spock sends his Katra into Nurse Chapel. Remember? Right, right. So why you know why would he of all people not be able to think up any any sort of uh, instance where where that had happened anywhere in the you know because I think the statement is something about you know there's no proof of this anywhere in the galaxy. Well, he well, said something about it's never been done completely or it's never been completely figured out how to do that. Ah, I still call bullshit. Yeah. He just doesn't have a very good memory apparently. <laughs> well, I thought it was kind of weird that women can't be captains in Starfleet yeah. because if I remember back in the Christopher Pike days, you know, number one was a woman, so that means if something happened to pike that wouldn't number one be the captain yeah so how did how how does that figure you know well but you know then again you know that that was one of the sticking points with why that pilot didn't sell you know that was actually one of the complaints you know was was that you know who you know who does this woman think she is you know that that we can't have this this uppity female in such a high ranking position because it wouldn't be until Star Trek for the voyage home would be the first time we would actually see a female starship captain is the captain of the, I think it's the Saratoga. You know, it's the ship that looks a lot like the Reliant that ends up getting kind of tossed aside by the, that whale tube thing that comes to earth. It was a female captain in that, but you know, that, that was really the big one. And that, that was the main, the main thing I had. I'm pretty much spent on this episode. You know, it was it was fun. It's just not one of my favorites, and it's really not until she starts to wig out 
toward the end of it that I think it really becomes interesting because really like the first half of this one, I, I, I think moved really, really slow. Well, it was just fun to watch the, her performance and Chatner's performance. And I love, and I always remember it from a kid that it was a really intense part with McCoy and Scotty out in the, in the hallway yeah. and, you know, you're, you're talking, are you I just mutiny and Scotty goes, I, and then they go back <laughs> in and, and, you know, crazy and Janet Lester Kirk's just like, play back their conversation in the hall. It's like, wow, the whole enterprise is bugged and can just be like whipped into a court of law of, uh, immediately like that. That's pretty uh, insane. I just thought of something that I caught while I was watching this that I meant to bring up and I forgot to write it down. I'm glad I thought of this because maybe somebody can clear this up for me. All right. Where exactly is um, Kirk in Lester's body being kept? Because it looks to me like sickbay, like the main part of sickbay, yeah. right? All right. But the door that they actually come in and out of is in a different place than where it normally – all right. For well, example – Maybe sickbay has a sort of break area where they can take sick people who are also prisoners, you know? All right. I'll buy that because now that I think about it, way, way, way back in where Mo where no man has gone before, I think the layout in that sick bay is like the layout in the, that we get in the sick bay in this part. So maybe there actually is a whole nother section of sick bay that we only seldom see. But my, my yeah, point is, is that or my, I mean, yeah, so my point is, is that normally when we see sick bay, the door into sick bay is kind of across the room from the feet of the of the bio beds that they're laying in, right? Right. But in this one, it's actually to the all right. As you would be laying in the bed, it would be on your right hand side is where the door is in this episode. And for you know, like for example, you know, when when we're in McCoy's office. You know, uh, most of the time when we're in McCoy's office, we're looking at him actually at his desk. So there's a door behind him that opens up into the main hallway. And then there's a door that's on our right as the viewer that goes into the actual sickbay area where the bio beds are. But in this episode, that door stays open all the time. Meaning if, if she's on the other side of that wall they'd be able to hear anything that was going on over there, yet they never do. And they never go into that door to get to her. So it, something's weird about something changed in the configuration of sick bay, uh, e either in this episode or prior to this episode. I'm not sure, but so something's a little bit different. Or just didn't get paid attention to. And yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's more likely. It seemed like uh, the budget went down in the third season, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time, big so. time. Yeah, they, they pretty much, they were on life support all the way through that, that third season, which is which is a shame. I mean, that's that's why you wound up with episodes like, uh, like Spectre of the Gun. You know, love it or hate it, I don't think the original intention was for the sets to look the way they look in that episode, you know, where it, where it's really, I mean, right. You know, it really is facades. I mean, granted when you make a Western picture, nine times out of 10, the, the town is just a bunch of facades, but in that one, 
we as the viewer are actually privy to the fact that everything is a facade. It's a facade, yeah. Yeah, it looks really it bizarre. It was a plot element that allowed them to make it to be like we're on a sound stage. Right. Yeah, it's 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 a bizarre one, but well, hey, I got my list handy. Oh. It, if you're, I'm sorry, were you done with this one? Yes, I was, but you know what? You caught me with my <gasps> Star Trek pants down. Turn I don't have on. my Ew, computer that's here. Gross. I had the computer open the other day, and I was working on it a little bit. With your pants down? Well, no, no. I have my pants down now. You caught oh, me with okay. my pants down now. But I had the computer. I'm just sort of just pushing it together really quick here while I talk and stall. I don't want to hear about you pushing it together with the Star Trek computer with your pants down but, anymore. But you know the Star Trek computer's been... Oh, how, how shall we say it? Uh, a little Finicky? Bit finicky, cranky. And uh, so I had a hammer out, and I was working on it. If I had a hammer... I'd hammer on my Star Trek random number generating computer. <laughs> <laughs> hammer in the evening... All right, you you, you gotta you, Whoa, you gotta land. you gotta get this thing to pick a good number now because you know again I, have no I, I really get it. the feeling sometimes that that we probably give the impression that we're just bullshitting, but we really we are really using do. a random number generator. But I'm telling you, I don't care if you got to fudge numbers this time. This was two kind of kind of I hate to say it, kind of suck episodes in a row. I'm ready. I don't for think it. the episodes suck. Our episodes sucked, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean you mean our commentary on? Yeah. Oh no, I think our episodes were great. But no, I'm saying I, I want to watch a good one. Is what I'm saying. I, I'm ready for. I'm ready to watch a good All one. All right, I'm firing it up. Oh, it came on. It's on anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just like your computer, it's it's a miracle, but it's it's running. All right, here it is. All right, you ready with your you ready with your? Uh, tell me what I'm it is. Ready and waiting. Number six. Number six is oh no, <laughs> Mud's women. <laughs> oh god. Hardcore fat and mud. No, it's not that one. That one's that one's. I think that's I mud. I think. This is the one where where Mud's got the, those three babes, yeah, and he's got to give them the the little. Well, this is the introduction of Harry Mud. I think yeah. this is the first yeah. first episode with Harry Mud in it. Yeah, it's not horrible, and it does have some really good music that gets recycled later into episodes like uh, like the Tholian Web. Because uh-huh. I, I was trying to find the music for Tholian Webb a while ago to, for like the ghost parts of Tholian Webb, you know, where Kirk keeps fading in and out. And it actually comes from from uh, Mud's Women. Yeah. So at least the music is really good anyway. I just I don't know. This was never one of my favorite episodes. But well, I have you to keep know. an eye out when you I watch know. it. Cause I think this is the episode that the famous uh, bug flying around the set episode. So I'm going to have to watch for that. Oh, there's like a fly landing on people's noses and stuff. Is there's at least one episode, and it's either this one or Conscious of the King, which we already covered. But there's at least one episode where there's like a I don't know, like a fly or a moth or something buzzing around in a scene. And I'm I'm just thinking, you know, watching these now in like DVD clarity, you probably be able to see <laughs> yeah. that much better. Count you know, the legs so on it. Excellent. <laughs> So there's a project for all our viewers who are going to watch 
watch Mud's Women. And, and um, of course, you know, you can watch Conscience of the King on on um, YouTube. There's an official CBS channel that has all the Star Treks on there. And there's a link on our Libsyn page. So uh, if you haven't watched it already, go watch it. And hopefully you've yep. watched it before you listen to the show. Either way, we don't care as long as you listen to the show. <laughs> well, hey, before I forget... Let me do uh, my shout-outs real quick. Um, Check out some of our friends in the podcasting community. Some of the shows that I'm currently listening to and really digging are Views from the Long Box, uh, Avengers Assemble, that's uh, Will Sanchez's podcast, and Will just knocked out two new and really, really fantastic episodes, so be sure to listen to, uh, to those. Comics Tube, Inside the Magic, Super Future Friends, too old to grow up from crisis to crisis a superman podcast which i am really really digging and of course our friends over at alternate reality and many 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 more so you know go to uh you know go check them out check out uh, everybody who's parts of the you know that are members of the networks that we are members of and support those guys and lastly before we forget um I think it's time to get around to the big announcement that we were teasing at the beginning of this. That's right. I almost forgot about that. Well, it's really funny because you sort of uh, messaged me on Skype the other day about this, and it was something that I'd been thinking about, but I hadn't figured out how to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you came up with the idea originally. It was uh, we would sort of do our random generator on – all the other Star Trek right. series and, and except for the movies, out, yeah. Except for the movies and pull an episode out to review. And uh, my, I don't know if it's really a problem with that, but the the sticky point with me with that is I'm not really up on my Voyager Enterprise. So if I saw a show it set in the middle of those, I might not know what the hell's going on, you know? Right. Um, but I have been watching all the Star Trek Next Generation, I guess the 179 episodes of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I started from the first one and was up, and I'm up to about 10 right now. And I was thinking, man, I would love to go over these because I'm really enjoying them. And so, you know, you and I started talking and we decided as part of our Star Trek Monthly Mondays, we'll, we're going to start and we're going to do it a little differently than the original series, but we're going to start doing some Next Generation too. And we're going to do them in chronological order this time. Yep. Because these ones sort of have some storylines that develop in character development that that's Star Trek, the original series, was more episodic and, you know, self-contained. Well, you know, I I had even mentioned to you that now that we decided to do this, and believe me, you know, you, you and I are super, super excited for doing this. But it got me to thinking... And I had mentioned to you that now I kind of regretted the fact that we weren't doing the original series in order. But, you know, you had a great point, which was, you know, the the original series, for the most part, didn't really build off itself like, like today's TV shows do. I mean, that's one of the great things, and I think that's one of the things that helped Star Trek when it when it found new life in syndication, which was... It was really a show where you could sit down and just watch an episode and you didn't have to know a backstory. It wasn't like Lost or something to where if you didn't see, you know, the five preceding episodes, you didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, you could just sit down and watch it. 
And I mean, there were even people that for years thought Star Trek was still being made because of that nature where you could watch, you know, one day you could watch the second episode and the next day you could watch the next to last episode. And, you know, they were constantly, you know, because when we watched them on Channel 11 as kids, I don't think they were in any order, no, were they? No, they were just sort of randomly thrown out there. You never knew what was coming next. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I don't even think they showed all 79 of them because no. there were ones that I I swear I didn't see until I bought them on videotape. And there, but, were, uh, and there were ones that they would just rarely, rarely ever show. There were ones that were in heavier rotation than other ones, you know. But Next Gen is really a whole different beast. I mean, it very clearly has a beginning which the original series really didn't have like a definitive first episode right. where you met everybody and, and it set the stage. Whereas next gen does it builds, you know, there, there are events that, that build toward other events. There are important first, there are, you know, births and deaths yes. and, you know, everything. So it's very important. I feel to tell that story in order. So yeah. Um, I agree. And what, and what we're going to do, because one of my fondest memories of Next Gen was actually the premiere of Next Gen. I mean, it actually premiered on, um, what was it, ABC as like the Monday night movie of the week type of thing. And I can remember that being a big friggin' deal because Entertainment Tonight talked it up for months in advance. They kept giving us little teases yeah, and man. updates hey, hey, and all that sort of thing save it for the big show oh yeah well i just want to let people know that what we're doing with the with the first episode is we're actually going to kick off the first episode as its own special so immediately following this we will be recording and releasing the uh star trek the next generation premiere special and then the following month's star trek monthly monday number 14 will have Episode two of Next Gen included in our regular yep. reviews of Star Trek material. Yep. So going right I hope, through. Yep. And I hope you guys are just as excited about it as we are. I, I feel like, you know, because I, you know, as much as I like being, I'm going to go for broke. I'm going to say that I, I, I feel like we're filling that niche of being the definitive original series Star Trek podcast. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I just don't I feel guess. like any, I, I no, I really do because I, I, I've, you know, I when I first got into podcasts, I scoured the internet trying to find a Star Trek podcast, and while I did find some that I really enjoyed, they were all, you know, on the newer stuff. They were all, every single one to you know to the to the single podcast. They were all about. The newer stuff, and if they touched on the original stuff at all, it was invariably, well, I'm not really that familiar with it. You know, I know yeah. the movies, or I've seen one or two, and they, they weren't authoritative. Not that we're terribly authoritative, but what I'm saying is they didn't grow up with it. It, it wasn't their first and foremost and that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I feel like we're filling that niche. But at, on the flip side, I think that, you know, a lot of our audience, and, and Chris and I in particular – we we love the later stuff too, especially next gen. And so we feel that the time has come to to show love for you know both sides, so to speak, of yeah, the Star and Trek. It gives episodes. us an excuse to rewatch them anyway. Oh yeah, <laughs> and next so I, next gen is so old now that you know it's vintage. <laughs> yeah, I know. so so it's we're still in the vintage, you know, to a lot of our 
younger listeners or you know probably the mean age of our listeners it's 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 old stuff too and and the original series is ancient history you know <laughs> <laughs> yep that's right I'm back in my day I can remember when next generation came on TV well we got to get out of here because yep, we, we got to get going on on the, our on that special episode which we're going to yep. you know I'm going to slug down even more energy drink <laughs> oh, no. and, and Scott will have his young sons hammer nails into his toes in order to get the adrenaline rushing to his to his brain and and so we'll be covering the encounter at Farpoint in this special Star Trek monthly Monday type episode that, that you should be able to listen to right after this or right before it if you're weird like that but anyway <laughs> enjoy Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. twotruefreaks.libsyn.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libsyn, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1-585-COP-LURE. That's 1-585-267-5873. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are now also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening to Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. Then, Doctor, that's the time we move against him. We'll have